Hi, this is John. Today on Theocast, Justin and I answer the question, can you really emphasize grace too much? Does grace lead to licentiousness? Does grace lead to sin? This is really a valuable conversation because I know there's a lot of people who are trapped in between this argument. And so we try our best to be gracious and kind and even open to reason, thinking through the arguments. And I hope and I pray you find some solutions to the answers. We provide a lot of scripture references in this podcast. Stay tuned. If you'd like to help support Theocast, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Plus, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join the conversation there. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed, pastoral, and confessional perspective. We here are trying to clarify the gospel today and reclaim the purpose of the kingdom. And I am with, in person, in Asheville, North Carolina, mm. pastor of Covenant Baptist Church, Justin Perdue, one of the hosts of Theocast. And myself, I'm John Moffat. I'm the pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Yeah. And John, just, I think it's safe to say that we are both weary pilgrims. Today. Man, we are. Because we got we, coffee in us at least. <laughs> we have been burning it hard since you guys got here. Yes. A lot has gotten accomplished. Got a lot done. It's been productive. For it's Grace Reform great Network, for yeah. Theocast, for personal fellowship, yeah. encouragement. And we are in the 11th hour of our trip here. That's right. You know, metaphorically speaking, you guys are going to be hitting the road soon. And we are all tired. Yeah. And if you didn't hear last week's episode, or I don't know when these are all coming out, we are recording with the doors open uh-huh. so we can enjoy the outdoors. So if you hear yeah. cars and planes. We've got a pretty sweet like yeah. garage door at the back of our office. Yeah. That is cool. That's a lot of natural light in. That's right. We like to open it up sometimes. Yeah. A yeah. couple of announcements before I turn it over to Justin for our subject today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, coming very soon is a special event that Justin and I will be a part of called the Grace Reform Network first meeting that yeah. we're having. Yep. And we... Um, part of this, we're opening up to anyone that wants to come. It's going to be October the 3rd and 4th, which is a Tuesday and Wednesday. Those are both um, all day are going to be a special, basically mini conference, a special event where we're going to be covering topics like law gospel distinction, like lectures that you and I are going to be teaching. Talks, yeah. Uh, Law gospel distinction. What does it mean to be confessional? That's right. Covenant theology, saint center reality. That's right. With panel panel discussions with pastors. And then each uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, uh, we haven't said which night, but you and I are going to be preaching. We'll be singing and time of fellowship. Yeah, like singing and preaching and some, yeah. So to be, to just reiterate. Yeah. Everybody is invited those first two days. Anyone can come. The last day on Thursday, October 5th will be reserved for people that the churches that want to be a part of the network. And as we start the network formally, but those first two days are open to anyone to attend. So you can register at graceformnetwork.org. We leave that to you and uh, registrations are limited in terms of just seating capacity. So if you want to come, go ahead and register soon. Yeah. There's only, I forget what's like 120, 150. I can't 150 remember. Or so. yeah, yeah. We're, we're hosting it at a church venue there in Metro Nashville, Tennessee. And yep. so we'd love to see you there. Yeah. yeah. So um, please register for that. If you have any questions, let us know. Yeah. And then just a couple of other announcements. Um, we send out bookly book recommendations every mm-hmm. week now. So if you're not getting that, go to our website, homepage, scroll down to the bottom, put your email in there. And for any of you that are digging in, even as we speak to Gerhardus Voss, <laughs> we sent out a couple weeks ago. the Lord bless you. Yeah. 
And may the Lord give you fruitful study. Yes. Amen. I just taught a class on biblical theology. It's part of Theocast U. If you want to go listen to that class as part of our membership there, you could do yeah. so. All right, Justin, that is all the announcements. Uh, it's enough for this week. Um, this is our last, a lot, I'll say this, a lot of times people think we're in the same location when we record and we're not. Mm-hmm. So this is we're a special treat for us. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're together this week. And so, um, yeah, talk to us about great. something that, uh, I think is, it's, it's going to be, it's important for you and me mm-hmm. because as pastors, this really is, we deal with it every day. Sure. So talk to us. I'll acknowledge this. And then this is not what we're going to be talking about for the rest of their time. There are people that listen to Theocast or read some of the things that we write and they will levy accusations. Yeah. And they will say that we are preaching a kind of radical grace. Not exactly sure what that means because the grace of God is pretty radical as I read the scripture, you know, and, or they'll say we're overemphasizing grace. And I, you know, I struggle with that statement too. It's like, I don't know that we can say too much about God's grace, but what they mean is that we are preaching grace and emphasizing grace in such a way that it actually would lead people to sin or it at a minimum would make people comfortable in their sin. It might foster and coddle people so that there's not a real confrontation of sin. There's not earnestness when it comes to the preaching of repentance and holiness and things like this. So people say that. That's an age-old concern about the preaching of the gospel. I think you see that even in the pages of scripture. Yeah. So we do encounter this semi-regularly yeah. where people say these things. And so that's in our minds a little mm-hmm. bit. We want to try to clarify and shed some light on this topic. But having said that, the title of the podcast, does grace, does too much grace lead to sin? It's a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. In our human brains, we tend to think that it does. It does. Which yeah. is exactly why Paul anticipates that mm-hmm. in the at the end of Romans 5 going into Romans 6, right? So our answer is quite the opposite, actually. Does too much grace lead to sin? No. Actually, it is the preaching of Christ, and it is the heralding of God's grace and his mercy, his patience, That's his right. gentleness that leads the saints to repentance. It actually draws us to it. And it produces all kinds of good things in the the church and in the saints that comprise the church. It leads to and fosters sanctification. That's right. It leads to the confession of sin. I'll start off by saying this, and I know this is true of Grace Reformed Church. At Covenant Baptist Church over the course of just the last several years, we've had a number of instances where people have confessed for the first time in their Christian lives, have confessed real sin. I mean, gray, serious, long besetting stuff that is, I think in their minds and hearts, they're ashamed. Yeah. They, they felt ensnared. They felt trapped. They felt enslaved at times. And these individuals, as they come out and confess, it is one of the most sobering and joyful experiences that I've had as a pastor Mm. to sit and talk with these dear saints who love the Lord and who are grieved by their sin and then confess it. And they say things like this. Um, This is the first time in my Christian life that I have felt safe enough and free enough to confess this. That's right. 
I could never, I am so thankful for the elders of this church. I am so thankful for this congregation. I'm so thankful for the way Christ is preached and the way that God's grace is preached and the way the law and the gospel are preached because it has made it possible for me to confess this. Mm. I've been harboring this for years and I'm saying it now and like tearfully, right? I've never felt more free. I feel like this weight has been removed from me. I'm just so thankful. Amen. Right? right. And I, I'm thinking to myself, like this is so, I, I have like kind of chill bumps on my, my, my arms and right all right now because I'm thinking this is so good. Yeah. And praise the Lord that his kindness and mercy and the complete and utter sufficiency of Christ as a savior, the fact that he's our righteousness and the forgiveness of our sins and the guarantee of our eternal life and the fact that we preach that week over week. Thank God that that produces this That's right. in the saints. And it leads to real sanctification and growth. It leads right. to real change. Yeah. So that's my sort of opening shot yeah, here. Absolutely. Uh, I know I spoke for just a few minutes. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry yeah. for that, brother. No, but, you're fine. Um, I, I care about this. I know you do yeah, too. Absolutely. We're sincere. Like, no, it doesn't lead to sin. That's right. I'll give some yeah, biblical go. examples here um, of why we base these arguments here. And, and I'll start and I know where we're going to ping pong all over the place. I just want to think first about repentance and confession for a second. Yeah. All right. So the Bible calls us to confess and repent our sins. And I want you to, like, if you picture this, what's sitting there waiting for them on the other end of this interaction that happens? Um, we don't read scripture good. and it says, good. Uh, come confess your sin and we're going to give you a plan to fix what you did. Come confess your sin. We'll put you on probation. Yep. Come confess your sin and here's how you're going to make it right. Here's how you're going to pay for it. Yeah. No, he says, here's your penance. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you Amen. from all. Wait, wait, wait a minute here. Do you tell me I'm preaching too much grace? Yeah. The first John literally says, when you confess your sins, grace is waiting for you on the other end. Not works, not condemnation, right? That's just not what's happening. And I, I can't but think of uh, Hebrews 4 when it says, in time of need, mm -hmm. in time of need, what's well, waiting you, for you? you? You approach the throne of grace with boldness <laughs> to ask for mercy in, in, in the time of, in grace, in your time of need. And you are like, literally putting bold affections towards oh, God's grace. Yeah. I mean, just, that's what he means. It's like, because you know I'm crying in grace, because you know mercy and grace is waiting for you. Yeah. You yeah. can come in with confidence as a broken sinner yeah. who, and I don't mean broken like, oh, oops, something happened. Like, no, you broke it. Oh. It's your fault you did this. Mm -hmm. And what's waiting for you is not work harder, mm -hmm. is not punishment. It's not condemnation. No, and guys, please hear us when we say this. We are cleansed from our sins so we can be set free from it, not to re-enter into it. Right, and our response is not, somebody comes and confesses, grave, maybe even heinous sin, our response, we've said this before, like we yeah. don't recoil in horror. That's no. true. But our response is like, oh, uh, well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, absolutely not. No, no, it's not. Like that's insane. I, I, I think that's often how this is misunderstood and misrepresented. It's as though grace is a way that we can call something that's wrong. Okay. That's right. No. 
We're not using grace to call something that is wrong right. We are we need grace and God gives grace because real wrong needs to be dealt with. That's right. Yeah. And 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 what here's I'll just um I'll do I'll go personal like you were and pastoral. Sure. sure. For me, the longer I've been in ministry, it does make sense. The reason why our children at times or people in general hide yeah. their sin, their crimes, what they've yeah. done wrong, is that they're worried about the consequences. The of repercussions. It. That's right. And I'm, the, the hammer's going to drop. That's right. And the father. Now, I think later in the pod, we should talk about there's a difference between the phys- the um, the forgiveness of the father and earthly ramifications. Of course. Right? Like if you murder somebody, the father does forgive you, but you have to receive the consequences. You, you may be here. in jail for the rest of your life. That's right. Uh, yeah. Or stealing or, or whatever you want right. to abuse, whatever you put in there. So sure. we don't believe Christians should carte blanche be the law no. uh, of, the, of the earth. Right. <laughs> right. God's given the sword from that. So please... Um, and I know Christian churches have done this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I know they abused their children, but they received forgiveness and we're offering forgiveness. Whoa. whoa, whoa well, whoa. and we could even talk too about how forgiveness and reconciliation is, a, or excuse me. Uh, yeah, forgiveness and reconciliation is one category, but restoration That's right. is a different one. And we That's could talk right. about those distinctions. But staying in this lane for the moment, yeah. and before we get off onto another road. Um, Potentially. Yeah. Justin, I, if we were to try just off the top of our heads to walk through examples of this, almost in every book of the Bible, you would find it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, let's start with the first story, Adam and Eve. Sure. What did God offer them immediately? He didn't offer them a works-based solution. He didn't. I mean, they were afraid. They were ashamed. And he does. Yeah, he he doesn't tell them to do anything. That's right. He doesn't command them anything. He doesn't require anything of them. He speaks and effectively says, here's what I'm going to do. Right. He presents to them the full effects of their sin. Of course. And then says, I'm going to punish somebody else. And, then you move on. And, well, and, just, the, and at the end of Genesis yeah. 3, he provides covering. That's right. For them. Of their shame. Exactly. That's right. And then you just, I mean, you could just take the, the broader story of Israel, which ends up becoming the, the broader message of the Old Testament. God, time and time again, through the Psalms and the Old Testament, what do you hear? Yeah. The faithful amazing grace of God, mm-hmm. right? And so um, he forgives iniquity. He forgives transgression. He forgives sin. I mean, listen, yeah. let's just quote Christ here for a second when he says, I have not come to be a what? A judge. Right. But he will right. when he returns. But in his first coming, he's offering grace to the sinner. He's yeah. offering grace. And I think it's important that even part of your prayer life is the confidence. Lord, mm. forgive us our debts. We were just talking Amen. about this the other day when yeah. you were saying, I pray this in the morning because at times I feel like such a sinner. Oh, I need yeah. God's grace yeah. to make it through the day. Right. Right. Yeah. Forgive me for my sins and protect me from the evil one. That's I mean, right. Those are things that, that I pray each day. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, you know, in our churches, I know both of our churches, we do a prayer of confession. Sure. Right. And at the beginning of our services, some people, yeah. it's very uncomfortable for them. Sure. You know, when they first start coming, they, they for, one of the criticisms of we don't want to do a, a red prayer, you know, <laughs> what I think is interesting, but yeah. I'm not getting into that today. But the concept of corporate confession, they're not used to people gathering saying, no, it's it's God's grace we need, so we receive, and then it's God's yeah. grace we celebrate in our singing, yeah. right? So it, it's interesting where it's not. I I have seen doctrines created off of one verse. Yeah, and that's never good. No, 
You don't want to build a theology off of one verse. That's right. But this is not the case. It's like the whole entire narrative of the Bible is centered around the grace of God. So I, when you say it's radical, it's overemphasized, I think if I were to reword what they're saying, I know I understand their concern. Mm -hmm. I would say it's not an overemphasis. If you're saying we are emphasizing one without the other, that, okay, um, we would push back mm-hmm. and say, actually, uh, we aren't saying that you can live in sin or right. that disobedience is okay. Nope. Because if we were saying that, then your accusations would be correct. Right. But grace is radical. Correct. <laughs> yeah, if we were saying that, well, because of grace, whatever. Yeah, because of grace, it doesn't matter how you live yeah. or, uh, well, you know, I mean, even even some of the things that we've said about the saint center reality and yeah. Romans 7 and indwelling corruption, et cetera. If we were saying that, well, you know, indwelling sin, so you're going to sin and whatever, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what to do. And I'll interject uh, here. I if, have we, had, if that was our posture, yeah. that, that would be a very different matter altogether. Yeah. I've been accused of that in the past where people somehow have concluded that you know, I tell men in our church, well, you're going to, you're going to struggle with lust. You're going to look at porn, but just trust in the grace of God. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I hold the view very strongly that sin is slavery. That yeah. it's an utter offense to my God. There's no way I'm just going to put a pepperage on that and be like, don't yeah. worry about it. Well, and I mean, so yeah, slavery and offense, it's like, you know, to use the the language of the apostles, like why would you engage in things against which the wrath of God is coming? That's serious. Uh, or also, like Paul toward the end of Romans six, uh, what was sin doing for you anyway? Like why, <laughs> why would you? Why would you want to do this? That's why right. would you want to engage in this? And he's already said, you know, you've been united to Christ. You've yeah. been justified from sin's guilt. You've been set free from its tyranny, yeah. and you've become obedient from the heart. And oh, by the way, what was it doing for you? Nothing good. No benefits, yeah. right? And it ends in death. That's right. We talk like this, you and me. That's right. We, you and I, we talk this way on the pod, but we also talk this way in our pulpits and we talk this way with our people. That's right. Absolutely. But what's interesting is that we assume that heavy, fearful guilt law preaching Mm. will lead someone to repentance. And it does temporarily, Justin, it really does. They will temporarily repent. They will, uh, there will be a means where they're okay, yeah, but over time, Fear doesn't become enough, right? It's fear is actually a terrible motivator over the long haul. That's right. It's a spark. It's a temporary work. Yeah. It's a it's a flash and it's gone, right? I was having a conversation with an, another pastor here in the city just the other day. And he brought this up. I can't remember exactly in the context why it came up, but he was observing the same thing. He said it's remarkable how people think that heavy-handed, exacting, threatening, like browbeating people with the law, effectively like no gospel in it whatsoever, right? And, and that's what he meant. People think that's what is needed in order to get people to repent or to get people to take obedience and holiness seriously. That's right. He said, do they not, and he's saying this to me, do they not know that it is the mercy and the gentleness and the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance? That's right. Yeah. And he's entirely right. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, 
or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Well, and, you know, I love, I don't know who taught me this years ago. It was that the concept, you know, the uh, the apostles, they do a sandwich effect, right? If you read how they begin, they'll, they'll bring, they'll start with the gospel and the hope oh, yeah. of Christ. Then they bring in the rebuke. And then they bring it back to the gospel again. Sure. Right. And we use passages. We talk about that. Many, many times. But like, I the think. The apostolic pattern. That's right? right. The apostolic pattern. Ephesians is a good example of this. I would even say just the first chapter of Peter, which I have used so many times sure. over and over again. You know, just quoting. Brother, the first Corinthians. Yep. Yeah. For oh, yeah. For goodness sake. I mean, we, People, I, I find it humorous when people are like, man, we just need to go back to the golden age, mm. first century church, man. We need to, That was when they really did it right. Uh, we need to go back to that. And I think, um, have you have you read the letters <laughs> in the Bible? Because in particular, like church at Corinth, man, if things that were going on at the church in Corinth were going on in your own local church, you'd be ready to jump off the rooftops. Because, and you would be very convinced that the Lord isn't in it. And uh, this church... Uh, this is illegitimate. This church is dead, probably. That's right. But Paul doesn't say those things. That's right. He writes to these people, affirming them in Christ, encouraging them in Christ, telling them that they have the Spirit of God and that their salvation lies not in human wisdom, but in God's very own power. He says all this. And then he does, for a number of chapters, indict them on several very serious things. Yep. Division and suing one another and sexual immorality and oh you like in first corinthians 5 there's an instance of of sexual immorality that even pagans know That's is right. gross and wrong and you are arrogant like you think apparently this is an expression of christian freedom <laughs> you should actually put this man out of the church That's right. and so he writes all of that stuff but he does all of it having grounded them in christ and affirmed them in christ that's right yeah. yeah, when I think about uh, James talks about this, um, the Lord's Prayer talks about this, where there's there's um, almost a lifestyle of grace. And I'll say it this way. He says, you must forgive because you've been forgiven, mm -hmm. right? And what you have been forgiven of is far greater than whatever you're going to offer in forgiveness, Right? That's right. living a life of grace Amen. because that's to receive favor that you did not deserve. That's that's that on because it's what I what I mean by favor. It's like it's not that he says you're forgiven, don't mess up again. He's like you're forgiven and you will continually be forgiven. It's it, ongoing. Amen. And I, really quickly back to First Corinthians, I I'm just struck by the fact that obviously I know there's First Corinthians 16, which contains important and very practical subject matter, yeah. but there's First Corinthians 15 at the end of that letter, man. That entire chapter is about the certainty of bodily resurrection on account of the Lord Jesus Christ and how this is what we hope for and this is what we're waiting for and how the corrupt will put on the incorruptible and the perishable will put on the imperishable and all of these things and that your labor, brothers, in the Lord Jesus Christ is not in vain yeah. and that death is going to be swallowed up in victory. This is how he lands the plane by encouraging those dear saints who are struggling mightily with all kinds of things whom he has rebuked. That's right. But he he then preaches the the hope of Christ and the certainty of the resurrection. And that's what we mean to do. And so absolutely we want to rightly divide 
the law and the gospel. We, we, John, we preach the law. That's right. Not only in its first use. That's right. To crush us all in our sin and drive us to Christ. We joyfully uphold the third use of the law, as it's been historically defined, that guides our living in Christ. That's right. How do we know what righteousness looks like? Mm -hmm. Well, what does the law say? That's right. How do we know what's going to wreck and ruin our lives and dishonor God and destroy anyone who's close to us? Well, what does the law forbid? That's right. What does it prohibit? That's right. right. And we talk like that. That's right. And we preach like that. So. We, we're not trying to just be like, you know, play fast and loose with grace and, mm-hmm. and not consider the law, but we are convinced that not only for our salvation, the law can only kill, can't give life, but the law, and when it comes to sanctification, can only guide. It cannot change. That's right. It is Christ for pardon, and it is Christ for power. That's right. It but, is the preaching of Jesus yeah. that empowers sanctification. Yeah, the law is the road signs. Mm-hmm. They only guide us. What 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 um, brings yeah. us along in life is, is the is the, the, the power of Christ, the vehicle yeah. of Christ. Yeah. I think I love it when Paul says. I think I love it. I do love it when Paul <laughs> says. Um, we've been I'm talking. Glad you do, we've been John. talking so it. much the last few days. Um, when he says, "For the love of Christ constrains me," yeah. so let's just stop for a moment and don't lose the emphasis of that. When we think about love, he says, "The greatest example of love is that I lay my life down mm-hmm. for you." Mm-hmm. So. The grace and mercy of Christ laid down at the cross mm-hmm. is what constrains Paul, mm-hmm. right? So you don't miss that. Like we just say, oh, love of Christ. No, he's saying the, the very fact of this, this amazing relationship I have with this man is what I look at uh-huh. to say, I don't want to sin. Mm-hmm. I, I constrain myself down mm-hmm. because of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, Peter says it this way. You're acting this way because you've been forgotten. You've been cleansed. Looking unto Jesus, Amen. the author and fit, lay aside the weight and the sin. That's Why? so easily entangles. Yeah. L- because you're looking to Jesus. Right. Uh, you know, we could keep going, but the, the, the idea of it is, if you really believe the apostles when they're writing, grace is literally what empowers you from sin, mm-hmm. not to sin. I just, right. I cannot allow that to be the statement going forward because I think it continues to entangle people because they're like, you kind of need a hybrid of law and grace. If you guys don't put that law back Mm -hmm. in there, then people are going to wander off. And I'm like, you don't understand what the law is for. It is helpful, but it does not empower obedience. It cannot empower obedience. So this happened recently in our church. Uh, And I can say this because I wasn't the one who preached this sermon. One of our other pastors preached on Matthew chapter five, verses one to 12. And he did a wonderful job on the Beatitudes. And that's a very familiar passage for yeah. people. And he he was very clear in his introduction on some high-level categories regarding the Sermon on the Mount and the Law and the Gospel and all these things. And he, instead of preaching the Beatitudes as commands or as a set of moral platitudes or whatever that we need to seek to conform ourselves to, he preached Jesus as the one who is all of this for us. Then he preached our union with Christ and how we are being conformed unto these things in him by the Spirit. And he did a wonderful job with all of this. We were all encouraged to no end. And as we were talking with one another, because I know like at, at GRC, at CBC, people just hang and talk after church, right? And as we're talking with one another, we're all looking at each other saying, man, I am so, my heart is full. I'm fed. I've been encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for him and my union with him. And then we look at each other and we're like, I am motivated to go out and strive to live a righteous life. Mm. 
or we'll sometimes in, look at each other. So uh, do you, having said everything you just said about how your heart is full and you're so encouraged in Christ and we've been talking about the word and, and the means of grace, um, do you want to leave and just go out and sin? <laughs> and people are like, and we just kind of chuckle to one another. We're like, no, that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak personal here. Yeah. I was, um, last Sunday, I had the joy of hearing one of our men in our church preach his yeah. first sermon. And, you know, my heart was wrestling with some things that had happened. Um, a disagreement with my wife mm-hmm. that, you know, I was, I'm trying to decide, like, how do I handle this? Like, you know, we're not agreeing on how to go forward on this thing. Yeah. And, um, I was, you know, it was interesting how at times you can just let your sin linger. Sure because you feel self-righteousness in it. And as he is preaching Psalm 46, it was 46, yeah. right, Andrew? Yeah. Psalm 46 um, on, you know, be still and know that I am God. It's so good. In this sermon, he goes through it. And he goes, sometimes we just bust that on people. Mm-hmm. And if someone would have come up to me and like, they knew I was struggling and it's like, John, you just need to be still. No, he is God. I'd be like, you need to be still in that corner and leave me alone. You know, yeah. like, I don't need that right now. He went through and preached that passage as it should have been. Yeah proving to me why I can lay my sin upon Christ, Mm -hmm. let it go. The one who will guide and direct and and care for me. He proving to me why he is trustworthy, not only with my life, but also with my sin. Like let leave it over to him. Man, I'm I'll just say this. By the time he's done preaching, I was crying. I was like, Lord, Lord, thank you for causing my repentance, for breaking my heart. And at the end, I was like, Lord, I can now rest and be still. Yeah. Because you have forgiven me, yeah. you have cleansed me, and you love me. I agree with you on the whole, like how your heart is softened. Your heart is softened by the preaching of Christ and your move to forgive, your move to be more gentle and merciful and compassionate. Right? Yeah. You mentioned this earlier. I want to acknowledge this reality for those out there that might be thinking this. You could sit, we've just been talking about gospel preaching and how we then leave motivated to pursue a righteous life. You could sit under what we would call like law preaching, legal preaching is a better way to say it, where you have been scolded to holiness and um, there's a threatening edginess to it. You could leave church that day and think, man, I need to go and be holy. So don't misunderstand me. You could. You could leave and think, I need to go and obey. And man, I better be holy and I need to get to work. Or else, yeah. But I promise you, that there is not a sincere Muslim in this world that does not think that about Allah, mm. right? I better or do Mormons. Right. Or right. Yeah. I better go do right because yeah. it's out of fear. It's out of dread. And I'll dare right? say Roman Catholics. Sure, man. I, there are plenty of people all over this planet who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ who have some notion of a higher power That's right. or, or who have a God and they think in these fear-based ways where they are like, I need to go be holy and I better be good enough. And that is not the Christian message. Mm. The motivation for the believer's holiness and righteousness and the pursuit of obedience is not fear and dread because God's your judge. It is love and joy and gratitude, right? And these, my heart's been softened. My heart's been gripped by what Christ has done for me and by the goodness of my heavenly father. Mm. He's not my judge anymore. I call him father. That's what propels us. Yeah. And sure, we are grieved when, when we're confronted by the law and we see how far short we fall. 
we're shown, man, I need to grow in that area and I have failed here. Yep. Lord, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on me, a sinner, and give me grace that I might pursue this. Yeah. It's how we live, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're almost giving a commentary on Paul in Galatians when he says, how did you begin? Right. You began by grace. And by the Spirit. So I entered right. into this relationship by grace with Christ, and now you're thinking it's going to be continued by the law. Say by the flesh and the law. It's like, no, you're going to continue this relationship by grace. So so when you say you guys are oversizing grace, it's like that's the the exact argument that came against Paul. And Paul's like, no, 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 I'm Uh, not overemphasizing grace. Grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead (laughs) me home. home. Bring me home. And that's a re that's basically a reiteration of Galatians. Amen. Yeah. And notice how often, like in Paul's categories, that the spirit and grace and faith are juxtaposed with the flesh. And the law and works, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Amen. Man. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Well, we could we could definitely say a lot more, and we will because we we have time on our podcast to do so. Um, we're just so thankful that you guys take the time to listen to what we're saying. And it's so funny. I'm realizing my microphone keeps falling down. And I'm like moving down with it. <laughs> it's not good. I'm for like, why am I crouching down here? Uh, but thank you for listening. And Justin and I do a second podcast every week. It's a shorter one. It's called Simple Reformanda. It's for those who partner with us and donate to our ministry. And along with this podcast is an app where there's almost 750 of us in there <laughs> who are encouraging, putting quotes in there, asking questions. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we have a new ministry called Theocast U, where there are mm-hmm. classes that Justin and I have taught, and we're adding to that daily. I'm sorry, not daily. That's, I'm sorry, monthly. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. Um, yeah. If you would be interested in that, you can go to our website. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you that are in uh, SR members, we'll see you over in SR. Word. Mm-hmm.